We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does everyone need customer support today? We've got you. Intercom has the tools to manage support at any scale, like integrations, bots, and more. All in one powerful platform. We'll even automatically resolve 33% of your support volume, so you have more time for customers who need you most. Oh, that's better. Supercharge your team's productivity and make your customers super happy with Intercom. Learn more at intercom.com support. This week on the Garage Beers podcast, we are less than two weeks away from the NBA season starting, and who better to talk about that with than the voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, our buddy, making his return trip to the Garage Beers podcast, Tim Alcorn, the radio play-by-play man for the Cavaliers, joins us. We will break down what's going on with the Cavs, the NBA season, what this is going to look like, and much, much more. We got that. We got Browns talk. We got Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Welcome, everybody, into episode 42 of the Garage Beers podcast. Go find us on social media at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram, and at The Garage Beers podcast on Facebook. With you, as always, your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me, as always, the two best co-hosts in the world on the east side of Cleveland, Doing a scratch-off lottery ticket right now, maybe? It's Chad Meyer. You can find him online at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad? Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm, I'm, you guys, I'm fine. I'm sitting here. I'm uh, chilling. I got a couple of couple of beers next to me, and I'm doing some podcasts. So, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's a good day. Well, podcast day is a good day. Are you doing scratch-offs right now? No. No, uh, I, I actually have a couple of uh, Xbox gift cards that I'm scratching up because I'm going to go buy Cyberpunk 2077 after we get off this podcast. Oh, oh wow. okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So Dad's doing that while we're podcasting, which is awesome. Uh, over- yeah, I'm, a, I'm a huge multitasker, guys. Everybody, I'm just a I huge love multitasker. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, normally down in Nashville, but joining us for the next, I don't know, several weeks, whatever, up here in Cleveland, it's Joey Whalen at Garage Beers Joe Online. What's going on, Joe? I learned a very um, valuable lesson last night and today. 
Oh, no. Um, oh, this is about alcohol. It's about alcohol. Yeah. And it's the progression of hangovers. And I think there's a point where you realize that you've taken the next step in your hangover journey <laughs> based on your age. <laughs> and I had a doozy of one today. Yeah, we had uh, we got some uh, little Taco Tuesday last night and got some to-go margaritas, added a little judge of our own uh, tequila on top. Um and it got me. And uh, it was a it was a video off kind of day in all my meetings. Um, but I'm back. I have a beer in hand. Uh, the stomach's ready. A um, lot of prep had to go into today. A lot of lot of lot of preparation for the stomach to get ready for this podcast. So um, you're welcome. I don't want details. And, I don't want details. No, we know. We know. We're good. Lots of. Out- we call out- it Taco seltzer. Tuesday, but I think we should go real Spanish with it, and it can be Margarita Martes. Oh, Martes is the is the word for Tuesday in Spanish. Wow, alliteration and, and everything. And nobody cares about the tacos as much as they do about the tequila. I don't even get tacos. Are you sure? Because tacos is kind of a huge deal. What do you like more, tacos or tequila? Oh God, I, I honestly, that's, that's tough. tough. That is tough. Yeah. That's not tough. That is very tough. It's got to be the right. It's got to be the right drink with the tequila because depending on the pretty good tacos depending on, the, rid- depending on the tequila that you have uh, uh, dude any taco is good tequila mm. depending on the tequila that you have okay you i'm gonna make this spanish hijo de puta uh you shut, you shut your mouth when you're talking to okay me. you tell me you tell me you 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 can get any other food you can get enchiladas you can get burritos you can get all this other stuff you can get acp you can get all this other stuff at mexican restaurants but if you take away tequila if you take away tequila, what would you rather take away, tacos or tequila? First off, what is ACP? Oh. Arroz con pollo. It's it's just rice and chicken. Oh, gross. Yeah, okay, that's stupid. Tacos, yeah. I'm taking tacos. I mean, again, it's the tequila, okay? If you're talking like Cuervo, yeah, I'm going to take tacos over, over Cuervo. Yeah, but that's not it. it's just tequila. Like, for example, there's a place up in Massachusetts. They make these little... Uh, it's like a weird uh, again with the Massachusetts. Is this a tequila like, fact? <laughs> is this a tequila factory no, that uses like no. all natural agave? You're such an ass. You have to drive like you have to drive up a mountain top and like no. where a guy where a guy with like waving a white flag will wave you down and take you in a helicopter. I'm trying this. to tell you that it's a very normal Mexican restaurant, <laughs> but they make the best tacos ever. They're bacon wrapped shrimp tacos. So they delicious. are incredible. Yeah, and you would you would lose those. I would, but but like, oh. okay, that's like a one off. Of course, I would lose those. I can eat bacon wrapped shrimp burritos, but I, if I lose tequila, I can't have anything that tequila goes in. Uh, come on, what? come on, come on. No, nope. I'm I'm keeping tequila. Tequila Tuesdays. Uh, uh, you're right, voted. So, you're so an Joe, idiot. So Joe is finally better here on this Wednesday night. <laughs> He's finally overcome. It was coming down to the wire. I think it was till probably like five or so where I was like, mm, I don't know about this. I love it. All right. Well, speaking of that, we might as well just get right into our first segment of the night before we get into our uh, incredible special guest, our return special guest. But before we do that, we got to go into our garage beers of the week. And so let's kick it off with the, the hangover man himself. How have mm-hmm. you gotten back onto the horse here tonight, Joe? What are you drinking? Well, I get by with a little help with my friends, and my friends uh, this weekend, every week in December is Christmas sales. Um, 
And this one is actually one I've never had before. It's from the brewery here in Avon, Ohio, called Avon Brewing Company. Uh, and it is their Christmas Miracle. One of the coolest can designs. It's it's a Christmas story theme. So they have the leg lamp on there. They got like the Ooh. fragile sticker, the bunny Ooh. suits on around the outside of it. it must be Italian. It must be Italian. 9.3% <laughs> too. That's a pretty heavy beer. Um, it's great. It's, it's, um, it's, I think the best Christmas sale I think I've ever had. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think I would say that, but cause I, I like them all the same kind of for different reasons. This one is the best. Before then, what was your favorite Christmas? Before this one, what was your favorite? Uh, I really liked the two Xmas just cause I liked yeah. how forward the, like the spices were in it. Yeah. Um, but this one is just like smoother and it's delicious. I think, uh, uh, I got to get one for you to try while you're home. Uh, but the, uh, the hoppin' frog, have you ever had the hoppin' frog frosted so frog good. Christmas ale? No, so I haven't. Good. That's the craziest Christmas beer so ever. So good. So good. I'll have a great uh, one for you guys next week. Oh, we might have to do it on Tuesday next week. We'll have to do it on uh, Tuesday. Anyway, that's different. Shout out to Avon Brewing Company for one of the best Christmas sales Joe's ever had. He called it the best Christmas sale he's ever had. So shout out to Avon Brewing Company. Let's mm-hmm. send it over to the east side. Chad, what is your garage beer this week? Well, I went to Platform Brewing Company this week, fellas, and I'm doing the Speed Merchant White India IPA. Oh, that's mm. a good one. Yeah. It's uh, a ma- classic. The main, yeah, the main, the main reason I'm doing this one is for lack of options, uh, just because I didn't <laughs> – I didn't want to repeat uh, beers because, yeah, you know, I haven't been to the store, but this is the newest one in the collection that we have. But uh, yeah, it's, it's actually a decent, tolerable IPA and uh, it, it's good. It's good. We're going to do this garage beers podcast and Chad is just going to kind of unwittingly drink a bunch of IPAs. And by the end of this, like he's going to love IPAs. So Chad goes to Platform. Uh, you guys both kept it local. We got Avon Brewing Company. We got Platform. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm taking it down to your your place of of residence, Joe, because I still have a couple beers from down there, uh, and I'm taking it to like kind of the the big Nashville brewery, which is is it Yazoo or is it, or is it Yazoo when you're down there? Yazoo. Yazoo. Yazoo yeah. just would be the Cleveland way to say it. So I'm gonna call it Yazoo because would they I'm say, from Cleveland. Would they say Yazoo? Cleveland, yeah, yeah, we do we do that weird stuff with the A's all the time. Yeah, Yazoo. Yeah, no, Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. Yeah, y'all. We even do it with O's. My mom. <laughs> Man, okay. hey. Yeah. So I'm calling it Yazoo because I'm from Cleveland. Uh, I'm going with their Pepe Cinnamon Milk Stout. Ooh. Uh, yeah, this is really good. Uh, it is meant to be kind of a winter stout. Uh, it says it is conjures up memories of times with loved ones sitting by the fire you're not alone enjoy the season cheers is that Let's what it con- is that what it conjured up for you dude all i thought about was just sitting w- with anybody i like around any kind of a fire so ne- so neither joe or i no, no god jesus no <laughs> uh, uh it's good it's a good milk stout it's it's really nice um the cinnamon doesn't come through a ton i wish it would uh but yeah it's a great beer yazoo Pepe. So we've got Avon Brewing Company, we got Platform, and we've got Yazoo, Yazoo, whatever, down in Nashville uh, represented. Cheers to them for making some great beers. Cheers to you guys, and cheers to the listeners out there. Uh, let us know what you're drinking. Let us know what your garage beers of the week are, uh, or if you have any other things that you like to drink, especially around the holiday season, let us know, and we will uh, maybe feature some of that stuff on our next episode. 
so now that we're done with the Garage Beers of the Week, really, really excited uh, for this upcoming interview. We have got uh, an, an awesome guest uh, coming up to talk a little basketball. All right, and we're really, really excited now to be joined for a second time, another return visitor to the Garage Beers podcast here, our really, really good friend, uh, the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers going into his second season on the job and uh, nothing like first two years being shortened seasons, but uh, we're really excited to have Tim Alcorn come back in. Tim, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. It is good to see you guys. And uh, I'm excited about the Cavaliers season getting started again. Uh, you and I were chatting a little bit before we rolled, Mike. Uh, you got to kind of refresh the, the memory break right. and recharge the batteries, but uh, we're ready to go. I think it's going to be a fun season. Well, and think also, about for us, think about for us, it's been so long, right? Like you had the bubble and that was great. And you could watch basketball and it lasted a while and it was great. It feels like that just ended. But for us Cavs fans, it has been forever since we've seen our team play. It's, it's exciting. Nine months. I can tell oh. you that. Uh, March, <laughs> March 10th uh, was the last game the Cavs played. Uh, March 10th in Chicago. And then the next yes. night uh, was March 11th when Rudy Gobert tested positive and yes. Adam Silver. And I'll say it again. I've said it before. I think to his credit, uh, just said, we're shutting down right now. Uh, we're not even going to take this any any further. So uh, March 10th in Chicago was that last game. And uh, so it's been nine months literally to the day uh, since the Cavaliers have played a basketball game. So to say uh, that the organization is anxious and excited and ready to get going, uh, I think that would be a minor understatement. I feel like Chad had like three things to say back there, and I kept cutting him off. No, 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 Mike. It's, 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 it's the Mike show. Okay? We're just going to leave it with the Mike. No, I was, I was just – I was just going to say, also our very first ever guest here on the Garage Beers podcast. So uh, this is a yeah, special that's time. true. Do I wear that special time? Do I wear that badge of honor? You do. Wow. You do. Okay. Well, I appreciate. Listen, that. Tim. Tim, you're in good company here. You are in good company as a Garage Beers podcast guest. I don't know what we did to get as lucky as we've gotten, but uh, it's fun to bring it around for full circle to our. <laughs> Best. And Chad, don't ever forget who butters your bread. I'm just saying, you know. Wow. If it's Michael Keefe's show, it's Michael Keefe's show. I'm just, you know. <laughs> it is. You know, I'm going to roll with that, Tim. I'm, I'm okay with that. Hey, hey, I will fight that to the death. Tim. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so let's, let's dive into this a little bit, Tim. Uh you know, we had a great conversation your last time uh, that you were on. Uh, we got into your background a little bit. We talked about, you know, really kind of getting your dream job after after so many years of uh, – I, I still love talking to people about, oh, yeah, Tim Alcorn, just a good buddy of mine. I used to work with him at WEO. Great. Uh, uh, but so many years doing that, you land your dream job, then you just get – it just gets hammered by COVID, and you have to cut your first year short <laughs> on your on your job uh, – uh, so heading into the second season, how anxious are you? How excited are you to just get back in there and calling oh, games? I'm so excited. Well, as you guys know uh, from working with me uh, at WEOL, my, my passion is basketball as far as play-by-play. And I, I love doing all the sports. I mean, 
Uh, yeah. God, you guys know I loved high school football. I mean, I loved going out on Friday nights to the press boxes yeah. and just calling high school football. And even in the spring, as I suffered through the, the misery of the early spring <laughs> games uh, with the rain and the drizzle and the cold and the snow, oh. Uh, oh. There, there was nothing like once the weather warmed up and you got the tournament baseball and softball. Uh, I loved calling that, but my true passion was basketball. So I just love calling the game of basketball and, and nine months uh, has seemed like an eternity to me. So I'm anxious. Oh, and not only am I anxious just to, to call basketball and to call Cavalier games from the Joe Tate perch, but uh, to, to watch this team grow and to watch them develop. Uh, you know, I'm excited about this team. They, uh, they played well. Under J.B. Bickerstaff, uh, once the coaching change was made, uh, they really responded to J.B. We're five and six, and uh, we're really just doing the things that he wanted them to do. Uh, so you could see the progress being made there. They had acquired Andre Drummond, and I think J.B. was really trying to figure out how he could be utilized. Eight games uh, was a, a small sample size, uh, so I think there's still room to see, hey, what can we do with this big guy in the middle? I love the Okoro pick. I thought it was a fantastic pick. So now you add him into the mix, uh, and the young players are just going to continue to grow. So I'm excited about that as well. Now, for like you, now, oh, go ahead, Chad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who, butters, we should, we should really... Who butters the bread, Chad? Who butters the bread? <laughs> we, should, we should really, we should really have like a, like a, like a, I don't know, a coin flip before every time Tim stops talking to ask a question. Like, right, whose turn is it? Whose turn is it? <laughs> but um, now I was going to ask you, Tim, how much, uh, you, you know, it, it's been nine months you, and you've seemed to have, you know, whether it be WEOL, you seem to have called every sport but basketball. You know, I, I know eventually it's just going to be like riding a bike, but how much rust is there going to be to shake off once you get back in the booth? <laughs> I hope there won't be too much. Uh, you know, I, I know Michael uh, alluded to the games in the bubble. And, and believe me, there were times I actually – turn down the sound on Mike Breen or the TNT guys. And yeah, I'm, I'm calling it just to try to yeah. keep that rhythm going a little bit. So I love Tim's in his house. Like forget you, Mike Breen. <laughs> I got this. So, no, Bang. Uh, right. It's, uh, you know, I, I hope it'll be like riding a bike, you know, in the sense that yeah. I look back to the time at EOL, you know, we would go from, that last tournament game sometime in the month of March to late November. So that timeline is somewhat the same as it was, you know, when I was at WEOL. But, but that being said, uh, I always thought the first few games at EOL each season, the first few games each season wasn't my best. It would take me a while to get back into that rhythm. So, um, so yeah, hopefully a few games and certainly on the road games, where we'll be working off the monitor, you know, that, yeah. that will definitely take some uh, getting accustomed to, uh, you know, as far as just getting comfortable with that, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And hopefully the, the listeners will be patient with me, but you know, if I can call it off the monitor in my family room, I hopefully can call it off a monitor at rock and Morgan's field house. So. <laughs> Where's where's Tim? Where where's Tim? Where's Tim? Yeah, uh, hi, I'm Dave. Yeah, I'm on a plane to New Orleans. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. You're, supposed, you're supposed to be back here, Tim. You're supposed to be back here. Trust me, they're not letting me on that plane. Yeah, you are getting on that plane. Getting on that plane. Yeah. 
God, you brought up J.B. Bickerstaff. <laughs> and in my head I went, holy shit, John Beeline was the coach of the Cavaliers last year. <laughs> like, that feels <laughs> like it was 26 years ago. <laughs> like, Ugh. that was last year that all that went down. Last season. That's how long this has well, been. Well, I'll tell you what's really strange is the other day I was thinking about, you know, just last Cav season and some of the memories that I have of it. And, you know, you guys were both saying it was a first year that certainly so many memories. But I do remember we played in Toronto on New Year's Eve and we were flying back to Cleveland. And I believe the plane was right over Lake Erie or getting ready to land uh, when midnight hit. And so everybody on the plane was, you know, wishing everybody Happy New Year and so forth. And 2020 is going to be a great year. 2020. Oh, you can just you can hear that, you know, all around the plane. And I, and I think about that now and I was like, wow, if we only knew on that plane nope. what we know 11 and a half months later. Unbelievable. Oh, God. I do remember New Year's Eve because there are some cities that do fireworks on New Year's Eve. And as yeah, you were yeah. flying, you could see some of the fireworks going off back from Toronto. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so let's try to break this thing down. Again, I think you probably know more about it than anybody here. But let's try to break this down, get our impressions of the season. Because, again, this is going to be another shortened season. It's shortened by 10 games. It's a 72-game season. Uh, the NBA season officially starts on the 22nd. Cavs start on the 23rd, right? Yes. Uh, yep. So... Uh, it, it looks like there's actually two halves of the season. So you only know the schedule for the first half right now, right? Correct. Uh, first half schedule has been released. Actually, a couple of more games than half, uh, half being 36. I think they've released 38 or 39 uh, per team. But in essence, half. Uh, they wanted to leave that back half open in case there were some games in the first half that yeah. needed to get rescheduled or – they needed to find room in the second half to get those in. So, uh, which I think was a very prudent move. It was the smart thing to do. So, well, if we learned anything by these other sports, yeah, I mean, you have to. There's going to be games that have to get rescheduled. It's just, it's, you, there's no getting around. Right, the the odds point. are certainly in that favor. So, uh, the schedule has been released uh, through early March, and then uh, the back half of the schedule will be released after that. But, yeah, we, uh, we, meaning the Cavs, open up at home on the 23rd against Charlotte, uh, go to Detroit on Saturday the 26th, and then come back home for three. Yeah, so the interesting thing that they kept in there uh, this year, and it makes me wonder if this isn't something they're trying to just make a thing permanently in the NBA, they kept the, uh, the play-in games, essentially. So, right, so the, the seventh uh, and the eighth, best winning percentage in each conference will play against the ninth or the 10th best winning percentage in the conference. And it's like, uh, if I've got this right, the higher seed only needs to win one game and the lower seed would have to win two. So it's like a double elimination situation. Correct. And whoever wins that situation actually makes it into the actual playoffs. I found that interesting that they would put that in again. Well, I think it got very positive response down in Orlando, down in the bubble, and it gave those those lower-seeded teams, or I should say the teams just outside the bubble, pardon the pun, uh, it sure. gave them the opportunity to get into the playoffs. It gave them something to play for. So, um, but to your point, Mike, they've, you know, that seven and eight seeds still only need to win one game to get in. 
Right. So if you're sitting at nine or 10, you still have to win two, but it gave you that incentive. And perhaps if a, a nine or a 10 is getting hot or getting guys back at the end of the season off injury or whatever the case may be, that all of a sudden they're playing good basketball and really deserve to be in and maybe seven and eight are slumping or they've lost a couple of guys. So it kind of evens it out there at the bottom of the tier per se. So I think it adds a little pizzazz. I think it adds something different and, and they liked it in Orlando. The the league got positive vibes out of it. So uh, they're going to continue with it. Oh, sure. I'm sure they saw like, I'm sure they saw a team like Phoenix go eight, no in the bubble. And they went, Hmm, there you know, you we go. got something here. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> right. Pardon my Gatorade yeah. swig here. No, you're allowed. Gatorade it up. Uh, it's that hydration. You're getting ready for this. You're getting Get ready. ready. You know, that's, that's kind of the fun thing, though. We're so used to so, such drastic changes to schedules and all that. It's only, this really is just a 10-game shortened season, which is where we'd probably be close to this point anyways. We'd be a little past that. But So we're, we'll likely see maybe some more games in a shorter amount of time, but it's going to feel like a normal NBA season. Yes. Uh, yes, it'll be a little more compact, although the regular season will extend into May. So you won't, right. you won't have that normal mid-April finale as far as uh, the regular season ending. Uh, the regular season will end in May, and the latest that the NBA finals will go is mid-July because they absolutely do not want to run into the Summer Olympics uh, which I believe is set to start July 20th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they just don't want to bump into the Summer Olympics. And I would think they also didn't want to get too deep into the summer and into MLB and everything that goes along with that. So uh, they tried to compact it as much as they could. Uh, so the playoffs will run from mid-May through early-ish July. All right, so let's talk about our team. Let's talk about our Cavaliers. Uh, obviously, last year uh, was rough early, God, especially early. Like they they had a couple months where they only won two or three games, stuff like that. Uh, it was it was a rough go. They won nineteen games, nineteen and forty six. Again, like you said, though, uh, things just weren't clicking under Beeline. Uh, but uh, once JB Bickerstaff took over, uh, things started to click a little bit more. The team was playing much more competitively. Uh, God, you look at teams that made you look at a team like a Denver that made a run in the bubble. Uh, and the Cavs swept Denver last year. Like, they started playing pretty well. Um, so let's start with some subtractions. And the big glaring subtraction <laughs> from last year's 19-win team is Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson uh, actually very recently signed a contract with the Boston Celtics, which is going to be really weird. Uh, your other team growing up, by the way, Tim. Uh, and he's really never, the main one. I never line. said I was a Celtics fan. I said I grew no, up in but- Boston. Well, you listened to the game. I did listen to them. Yes, I did. I was a The Celtics were formative. They were formative in your broadcasting career. That is true. That is true. There you go. (laughs) Yes, Tristan is not a Celtic. Yeah, he's the big loss, right? I mean, uh, obviously, other guys, uh, uh, McKinney, Jordan Bell, Ante Zizic, uh, not guys that you look at as, as big, huge losses for the team, but Tristan, obviously. Uh, such a big part of this team for the most majority of the last decade. Uh, it's such a big part of why there's a championship banner hanging there. It's going to be weird to see him for another team. 
Tristan was a cornerstone piece. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he was a part of that championship team. He was the consummate professional with the Cavaliers, uh, that real, you know, lunchbox blue collar guy, uh, you know, didn't do a lot of glamorous things, but played defense, got your rebounds, did a lot of dirty work down in the paint. And so uh, Tristan Thompson, again, you know, he took the offer from Boston. I mean, these guys are professional athletes, hence uh, they go for the best professional deal there is. And so uh, he went to Boston, but uh, he'll be missed. He'll be missed on the floor. He'll absolutely be missed in that locker room, a real veteran leader. So uh, now you count on guys like Kevin Love, like Delhi, uh, Andre Drummond, even a JaVel McGee, who they picked up uh, in that deal that you mentioned, Michael, for Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney. You know, McGee's won three rings. He was with Golden State for two of the years they won it, uh, was with the Lakers last year. So you just hope a veteran presence like that, uh, that knows what it takes to win, knows what it takes to kind of go to that next level, uh, that those type of guys will become the leaders on the basketball team, which certainly I fully anticipate they will. So that brings us to the additions. You lose Tristan and a couple other side pieces, guys that really didn't play a whole lot. And then you bring in a guy like JaVale McGee, who's he's the big addition. As far as additions go uh, outside of the draft, JaVale McGee is the big addition. He's that one guy, right? Okay, has made a crazy name for himself as the guy that runs the wrong way down the court or, like, doesn't know where he is half the time or, like, has crazy ridiculous, like, he'll shoot, like, a fadeaway three for no reason and you're like, why did JaVale McGee just do yeah. that? And then and then and then he'll send a block all the way up into Loudville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's also that guy, like you said, he's not the main piece of any team that won three rings. Uh, but he's always that guy. When I when I have watched Javale McGee, I expect to see like I just automatically associate Javale McGee with that Shaq and a fool uh <laughs> clip that they do on TNT I love Shaq because he's been on I love Shaq and a fool it's funny stuff yeah well I'm, and JaVale McGee's been on there I think more than anybody like he's been like the main component of Shaq and a fool uh but when I watch him he's always he's one of those guys that I've always been like I expect just total goofballery which is not a word but I just made it up and then I watch him and I'm like oh wait this guy can shoot a little bit like like I've seen him hit some outside shots he is obviously a good defender, obviously yeah. a good rebounder. He's like he's a guy that can play, I think, a little bit better than a lot of people think he can play. I think that's going to be a really valuable piece for the Cavs coming off the bench. I would totally agree. Uh, you know, yeah. they, needed, they needed a backup, number one, to Andre Drummond uh, because Tristan was always your five. Um, he started at five until they got Drummond, so they, it was always a situation where you're going to need a backup to Drummond. So you bring him in as another rim protector. He makes the Cavs better defensively. Uh, I don't think any of us sitting here have any, you know, uh, thoughts as to whether or not they needed to get better defensively. So uh, you, you add a defender, you add, a again, a guy who's got some, some championship pedigree to him as far as knowing what it takes, uh, a veteran leader, and – <laughs> to your point, Mike, uh, you know, you, you read some funny things, you see Shaq and a fool, and you go, oh, my. But the guy has been a contributing professional basketball player for a while. So yeah, uh, his, yeah. his upside will definitely help this young team. There's no doubt about it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's your he's you know Tristan. Tristan was a hustle guy, and Javale is exactly that, with maybe a little bit better of a shot. You know, Javale Javale's a hustle guy. Javale will get you. You know, you know, six points, eight points, and you know, fifteen boards a game if you let him. Absolutely, totally agree on that. So, and and for what they gave up, uh, you know, Alfonso Alfonso McKinney, (laughs) Alfonso McKinney. You know, he's at that small forward spot where you've got Windler. Everybody forgets about Willer. He was the number one pick last year. You've got Willer, you've got Okoro, who you drafted, and you got Jetty Osman. So there wasn't going to be any room for Alfonso McKinney there. So And Jordan Bell was someone they had just signed. So, you know, to bring the JaVel McGee in for that, heck yeah. 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 Right, so we did. It's, it's the old Ed Monix for a washing machine type trade, right? <laughs> <laughs> You go ahead so, and use that analogy, Chad. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We know Chad's not buttering any bread. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, so when we had you on the first ever guest episode that we had, we did like a word association game. We we read off all the calves, and you gave a bunch of answers, just single word word associations. I don't want to do that again. I do want to run through now that we've had an off season. Now that we've we've seen them play and all that, I want to run through just kind of a couple players uh, and, and maybe what we expect to see out of them in this upcoming year as they uh, as they continue to grow. and And the one that stands out to me, I, you know, there's a lot of love out there for guys like Drummond, guys like uh, Kevin Porter. We we raved about him. I drool about that guy. Like the guy's amazing. But I think we just I think there's a lot of like. It's, a, it's an undervalued piece, and I'm going to start with Colin Sexton because I think the guy has, like, turned into one of the top – like a, a, a high-level scorer in the NBA. Uh, well, and I, I feel like we maybe view him in Cleveland as just kind of this little side guy, Colin Sexton. I'm like, how many how many games did he, he – he was averaging, like, 35 points a game at one point last year. Like, well, I was, the guy, I was laughing because I was thinking of my one word when you mentioned Colin Sexton. I was going to say scorer. And then you just go, eh, eh, the score. I mean, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. that, that's my one word. He's a scorer. I mean, he is offense, and he will basically get you 20 to 30 every single solitary game. He works hard. Um, and, again, he, he wants to get better. J.B. Bickerstaff talks about that all the time. Uh, the young man wants to improve his game. And, you know, he's going into his third season – but he's still only 22 years old. So there's an unbelievable upside there as far as Colin Sexton is concerned. So uh, he's got a great work ethic. He wants to get better and and you stole my word, but he's a scorer. He's going to get you 20 to 30 every game. Now, Tim, before we move on, you know, the first time we talked to you, you know, you, you, you know, you said that that first year, this, your first season, you just kind of, we're trying to get acclimated to the, you know, to, to, to the big production that is like an NBA radio broadcast. And you didn't really get a chance to, to, you know, to kind of get to know some of these players, you know, in, in these nine months, have you had a chance to get to know any of them a little better? Not really, because yeah, they yeah. have been away from, you know, they've been away from the media. They've been away from each other. They've been away from the mm-hmm. team. So, you know, I know, JB and Kobe and the staff, you know, they've tried to do as much zooming and FaceTiming and texting as they can, but really that face-to-face communication uh, has been pretty limited. 
Uh, and insofar as the media is concerned and, and even the Cavs, you know, employees, as far as the broadcasters are concerned, it's really been limited. And unfortunately, it's, it's the times we live in right now, because I know yeah, right. uh, at least going into the season, uh, our access will be nil, uh, you know, just as it is in baseball and or as it was in baseball and is in football. You know, there's not going to be any locker room access. There's not going to be any pregame face-to-face pressers with JB and that sort of thing. So, unfortunately, yeah. uh, you know, as you and I, and you know, we all sit here and look at each other on computer screens. That's how we're going to have to do it, at least early on uh, in the NBA season. All right, so back to some of these players. Just, again, and we're not going through all of them. We know – you kind of know what to expect. You know what you're going to get out of Andre Drummond. You know what you're going to – you hopefully know what you're going to get out of Kevin Love, and hopefully maybe it's a little bit more out of kind of old school. I think Kevin Love needs a little throwback to – let's go back to some of those uh, – he's not quite as husky as it was when he was in Minnesota, but uh, he, he's got more opportunity to play that way, uh, a little bit more under the basket, uh, a little bit more physical here with this team than he did with any of the LeBron teams or anything like that where he needed to be a space uh, – a guy that spaces the floor. But you know what you're going to get out of Chetty and, and Delhi and those guys, but – I think the second guy that is interesting that I'm interested to hear about your thoughts going into his second year uh, is Darius Garland, a guy that I don't think wowed anybody his rookie year uh, uh, in really any way, uh, but uh, a guy that you probably, you can't really say much about. It was a short year. Um, What are your expectations of Darius Garland going into year two? Big leap forward. Uh, I think uh, if you talk to anybody that was part of the mini bubble, mini bubble in September, uh, or, or that has seen Darius uh, work out and now in the first few days of camp, uh, he has really stepped up his game. Uh, he's, he's added a little bulk uh, to get stronger. I think he realized uh, in that first NBA season, even though it got shortened, was a long season for him. He played right, right. four college basketball games. Uh, he needed to get stronger. So, and he's a guy going back to what we talked about uh, with JB. I, I think you saw some glimpses of the player he could be in that time under JB Bickerstaff. Uh, he, he's, I won't say he flourished, uh, but he showed the capability of why the Cavs took him with that number five pick. So I think Darius Garland is a young man that's, that's going to take a big step forward. And again, still so young, uh, 20 years old. So he's a, he's a guy that uh, has, has such an upside, such a ceiling to him that uh, he'll definitely get better as far as the uh, 2021 season is concerned. Well, that'd be great. That'd be, you know, they, he, he was a guy that it was hard to judge him really as a fan, as somebody who watches any game that I can watch. It was hard to, I, I didn't know what kind of player he was. I didn't know whether he was a shooter or a slasher. I didn't know whether he was a scorer at all. Uh, I didn't know what kind of defender he was. He, he, it was very hard to get a judge throughout the whole year on what Darius Garland uh, uh, was going to be. So that, that's my hope going into this year is, is that we just – we see the kind of player that Darius Garland can be, how he's going to play the game, uh, and, and that he kind of begins to form some identity. And like you said, maybe because you're so young and you're not just Colin Sexton who's out there just getting the ball to the hoop and scoring the basketball, uh, it might take a little bit longer. But, yeah, that would be great to see him take that leap forward. Well, I think – you know, more was asked of Darius Garland. Uh, you know, when you're the point guard, you're orchestrating everything out there. So you're a rookie. You've only played four college games coming off an injury. And all of a sudden you're thrust into this role 
of being a point guard at the NBA level. So, you know, that's a lot on a young man's shoulders. And, and you can see where, I don't want to say it overwhelmed him, but certainly uh, it, it played a factor as far as his development is concerned. But they raved yeah. about him in the mini bubble in September. So hopefully Good. he's now ready to take those next few steps forward. Now, Darius Garland was a number five pick, Tim. You know, you mentioned earlier, too, that you – uh, about another number five pick, this year's number five pick that you really loved, uh, Isaac Okoro. What is it that you love about him so much? I love his athleticism. Boy, if you get on YouTube or just watch some of the highlights, uh, that young man can get up and down the floor in a hurry. And I love the fact that he seems to be a mentally tough guy just by saying, I love to play defense. Yeah, not too often that you hear right. a freshman in college saying, man, I'll, I'll take any guy in the NBA and lock down. I, I mean, you know, most of the guys are about Duncan and are about highlight reel stuff. And Isaac Okoro uh, is a guy that says, I love to play defense. To me, that shows mental toughness. So he's going to help the Cavs on the defensive side, which they really need at that wing spot. Uh, you know, the questions have been about his shot. Uh, but J.B. Bickerstaff and the Cavs staff seem to think uh, that that'll come. They'll work on that with him. But uh, he's got the work ethic. He's got the mentality that uh, he's going to be a pretty special player. And, you know, when when a guy at the collegiate level uh, breaks into a starting five that was senior dominated, uh, that tells you something about his work, his work ethic because uh, he just wants to play and he's willing to do anything it takes to get out on the floor and play and contribute. I love it. Yeah, shot <laughs> – a, a, a shot can be developed, but athleticism cannot. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, true. And you know, he fits. He fits. You know, you've got you've got a backcourt. You know, like you said, defensively, uh, I think Colin Sexton's a little bit undervalued. I think he's undervalued everywhere. Frankly, I think Colin Sexton is undervalued all over the court. I think he's undervalued defensively. I think he plays hard. I think he hustles. I think he is a pest. Like he's uh, he's that guy. We've done a lot of hockey episodes. He's that guy. Like. He's like a Brad Marchand, but he's not a jerk. Where uh, he's just kind of a pest. He gets in the way all the time. Uh, 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 you know, Garland, again, you don't know what he brings. Obviously, Kevin Love is not the most stout defender on the planet. Although Andre Drummond does provide some defense underneath uh, when he wants to. Um, but, yeah, to have a guy like Okoro, you, don't, you didn't necessarily need another shooter right there at that spot. You've got Garland can shoot, Sexton can shoot, Kevin Love, obviously a great offensive player, uh, but a guy that'll come in and have that athleticism and just shore up uh, an area of the game that was so bad for this team last year. Uh, that's where I'm with you. I, you know, you've got to be able to play in all facets of the game in the NBA. Uh, you can't just be a defender. If you are, you're just going to be like an end of the bench guy for a long time. Oh, I agree. Uh, I so, agree. Yeah, hopefully his offense comes around and, and they can work on that. But, yeah, you got to love what you hear out of him, what you see out of his highlights, all that. But if you're getting out and running and you're sprinting down the floor and you're beating the other team to the basket and you're scoring at the rim, you don't have to rely on your jump shot every time. No, right. I'm, I'm not saying that every single offensive you know, uh, possession, the Cavs are going to streak down the floor and Okoro is going to jam it home. But, um, you know, if you can get him out on a break – where he can utilize that quickness and that athleticism. He doesn't have to pull up for an 18 or 20 foot jump shot. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, uh, 
Uh, it's an interesting team. I, it, it's something where you can, you can certainly, you don't sound foolish to have a little hope as a Cavs fan. Would you sound foolish to say they're probably going to win a title? No. Like, don't, don't say that. That's probably, unless something crazy happens, that's probably not where this is going. But uh, when you look at the conference and when you look at the fact that 10 teams are going to have a chance to get into the playoffs at the end of it, uh, there's no reason to believe this team can't compete. So Tim, from what you're hearing, from what you're seeing, like, what do you, what do you anticipate the starting lineup to look like for the Cavs? Yeah, somebody else asked me this a, a week or so ago, and and I think, you know, some of the spots would, would be pretty much locked in. I mean, you're going to have Andre Drummond starting. You're going to have Kevin Love starting. I think you're going to have Darius Garland starting. Um, so, you know, the three spots, and I think J.B. Bickerstaff has been very upfront about it. Uh, you've got Okoro, you've got Osman, and you got Windler. Um, you know, it <laughs> People don't talk a lot about Dylan Windler. The Cavs love this kid, and they wish he had gotten that first year of experience under his belt, but he's healthy and he's ready to go. So uh, I think the three spot is up for grabs, and I think you're going to see in the preseason uh, JB really working those guys almost uh, equally just to see who can win that spot. Uh, So that leaves the two-guard spot. And, you know, Michael, to your point, I mean, you've got Sexton as a scorer, uh, you know, Kevin Porter has, has missed at least the first 10, 12 practices now, uh, you know, in camp. So that would put him, you know, certainly behind the eight ball. So I would say, uh, you know, Sexton right now is going to be your two guard. So Garland, Sexton, Drummond, Love, and the, and the three spot right now is going to be that battle. Is there Joey? You, you, oh, go ahead, Chad. Uh, I, was, I was just going to make a comment. It's a Joey. He's a, Joey would love it if Dylan Windler. I uh, was able to be the starting. That'd be awesome. Three guard of a, J- J- Joey and uh, Dylan went to the same uh, college there, Tim. Oh, so. really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're both, they're both Bruins. It's, it's like a big high school. Yeah. It's like 6,000 people. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. It, <laughs> they had a couple of classes together. So uh, Joey's a huge Dylan Windler fan. <laughs> well, and so are the Cavs. I mean, number one, yeah. they wouldn't have taken him in the first round last year if they really didn't think he could play. Uh, that young man can shoot the rock. Um, and you're talking about a wing player uh, that can step out and knock down three balls. And so that really spreads the floor for a guy like Sexton who can get to the basket or, you know, even if you then drop it into Drummond in that low block, I mean, it just opens up a world of possibilities for you. By the way, I don't know how much time we have, but I'm just going to throw another name out here that uh, you guys haven't brought up yet, but I just think is going to have a, Big season, Larry Nance Jr. I think the progress that he made last year uh, and the work ethic that he has, he just wants to get better and better. And I think Larry Nance Jr. is primed to really have a breakout season for the Cavs this year. So uh, keep your eye on number 22. Well, and I think, you know, uh, not to say any, uh, you know, it's going to be sad seeing Tristan Thompson in a different jersey, uh, but – uh, that certainly opens up a big, big door for a guy like Larry Nance, who they maybe played different positionally. They played together sometimes, center, power forward, whatever, but they were both kind of that – they would both kind of check in and, and just be a backup in the front court, essentially. Well, right now, uh, Larry Nance is your is your main backup to Kevin Love. Uh, he is? And he can play the three. 
I was just going to say, yeah, Michael, you kind of stepped on me just like you step all over Chad Meyer. I was just <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Man, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. One minute, one minute I'm buttering bread, and that sounds nice and polite and like I'm just making Chad a snack. Now I'm stepping on him. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but seriously, <laughs> I can have fun with you guys. But seriously, um, JB, we talked about JB in that 11 games, and, and he experimented because obviously they had acquired Andre. He experimented with that yeah. big lineup of Drummond, yeah. Love, and Nance at the three. And he liked that lineup. And the analytics showed that, you know, it was on the plus side and all that numerical stuff that they get into. So, you know, that's another option of using or utilizing Larry Nance Jr. So he's a nice piece across that front line. He can do a lot of different things for you. It's interesting because there's there's interesting players for this Cavs all, uh, team all the way down to 15. Like all, like one through 15, there isn't anybody really on the team because because you've got guys like Dean Wade. Like I trust Dean Wade to come in and hit some shots. Like Dean Wade is a shooter, like pure. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see Dean a whole lot last year because most of his experience uh, was gained down in Canton with the Canton Charge. So uh, right, but he. But to your point, Mike, he's another guy that the Cavs like. Uh, JB loves guys that work hard. Uh, yeah. And I really like, you know, what he has said so far in preseason, which is basically uh, you're going to earn minutes. You're just going to earn minutes. You're going to show me here at Cleveland Clinic Courts, and you're going to show me in the preseason games uh, whether or not I'm going to call your name off the bench and whether you're going to get significant minutes. So, yeah. Uh, and one thing he talks about with Dean Wade all the time is that young man's work ethic. He does get after it, but I don't have much of a sample size to go on in so far as just watching him play. I didn't see him too much in a Cavs uniform, you know, some, some minor minutes here or there at the end of games, but that was about it. Well, tell me about Damian Dotson then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know. Hey, listen, they went out and got him for a reason, right? I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I have, I don't. I know nothing about the kid. Him and Thon Maker. Other, okay. So. Every other name I've. Yeah. When did the Cavs sign Thon Maker? Uh, when? Let's when did go. that happen? Just recently. Well, which one do you want? Which one do you want me to get into first? Damian Dotson was with the Knicks uh, yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, averaged about eleven points per ball game. Uh, kind of got you know buried last year, especially when R.J. Barrett arrived. Uh, that kind of moved Dotson out of the hole you know, rotation. And so his minutes were reduced significantly. But uh, the one thing that Dotson gives you in the backcourt uh, is size. He's uh, he's a bigger guard. So, you know, and the Cavs have admitted that, you know, at times the smaller backcourt of Sexton and Garland uh, creates some defensive issues. So uh, if you need a, a bigger defensive guard, uh, Dotson can get out there at 6'4", 6'5", and uh, yeah. perhaps defend some guys that Colin or, or uh, Garland would have some challenges with. Uh, Thon Maker was signed uh, maybe a week or so ago Yeah, uh, off of Detroit. Uh, he's a guy that has bounced around, but uh, he's a pro's pro. He was a top 10 pick, uh, I believe, yeah. uh, when he came out. So, uh, again, he's another guy. Uh, like McGee, that they're hoping uh, they can provide some defensive presence, especially down in that paint. I know that crap. Yeah, the, 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 I, I, 
Coming yeah, in the, seven the, the, foot eleven, a hundred and twenty-one pounds. <laughs> Thon Maker. The first time I the first time I saw Thon Maker uh, it was in Andre Drummond's dancing Instagram video, and I went, <laughs> "Did he just wander in? He's just kind of hanging out. Like, like is that allowed in going there? Like, when did Thon Maker become a calf? Oh man, yeah, that was, that was about a week to ten days ago. This. The signing, not the Instagram dance video. It was about a week ago. Wow. <laughs> I'm, letting, I'm letting myself get excited. Now, just talking about the Cavs. Uh, first of all, J.B. Bickerstaff, uh, I am excited that J.B. Bickerstaff is the coach of the Cavaliers. As you should be. Uh, As you should be. Two, I think, I think they're just built in a way where, like, like you said, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, uh, undersized front court. Even if they're a good front court, if Darius Garland takes that big step forward, they will be a good front court. Undersized for sure. And defensively, even if you want to say they're undervalued, they're not great. Uh, but then you've got, like, those backup – you know, Kevin Porter's a bigger dude. He's a big guy coming in at the, at the shooting guard. You still have Dante Exum we haven't talked about at all. Which, again, uh, I've heard uh, I've heard a little excitement about Dante Exum uh, that I wasn't quite expecting. Just, uh, just people saying that he looks good. They're excited that, you know, uh, a good addition off the bench uh, for the team – but a bigger guy. Dante Exum's a big dude too. Uh, so they just kind of seem like they have these fits where uh, when one guy, when you need a guy that's a certain way, you need a shooter, bring in Dylan Windler, bring in, you know, Dean Wade, bring in some of those shooters. If you need size, you got size. If you need defense now, you've got some defense. You can really, I feel like there's more to mix and match with this team that there's been in a couple of years. I agree. I think there's going to be some versatility for JB to utilize, uh, you know, I'm just going to repeat everything that you said, so I won't go through it line by line. But you know, with the smaller backcourt, you now have some bigger guys that can complement them. Uh, we hadn't talked about Exum. You're right, and and Doxson and Porter. Uh, I like the fact you've got some big guys now in that front court with Drummond and Javel McGee. You know, and if Thon Maker makes the team, now you've got some size up front. Uh, you've got some versatility as well with the Larry Nance and those type of players. So, um, yeah, he's he's got some different pieces to the puzzle uh, yeah. that he can now maneuver out there on the floor. And, you know, the NBA is all about matchups, matchups, matchups. So, you know, he now has a little more versatility uh, within that roster uh, to play some matchup basketball. I think the Garage Beers podcast is officially going to become the Thon Maker fan club. Oh, um, my God. We're going to be huge Thon Maker guys. This is going to be a Thon Maker podcast. What's the Australian beer? You get an Australian beer, Thon's your guy. Fuck. <laughs> let's go. Uh, that's the only Australian beer I could think of. Uh, yeah, it should be fun. It should be I, – I certainly, I certainly anticipate a jump – uh, as far as, as a record goes from last year, I don't think this is going to be a team that struggles to hit 20 wins. And I'm not saying they're going to hit 50, uh, but I, I, I don't see them being that uh, barely get to 20 win team. I think the Eastern Conference, again, is just going to leave it out there. I mean, there's some improvements here or there. Uh, we'll see what happens around the Eastern Conference with teams like the Nets if they ever get any of their star players to play. Obviously, the Heat went on a magnificent run to the finals. The Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they add good players. Uh, but I think towards the bottom of that conference, uh, this Cavaliers team has got a lot of talent and a lot of good players that uh, I, it would not surprise me in the slightest to see them at least in that 
seven to ten range as the year co- as the year winds down. And I think if that's the case, uh, that'll do this team and the organization a world of good because young players need to learn what it's like to play in pressure basketball games. And so if you're within two, three, four games of the playoffs coming down the stretch of the regular season, that adds a little more pressure uh, to those games that will happen in early to mid-May. And that's a different type of basketball game than you're playing in January or February or that you're playing in April if you're out of the playoff hunt. This team needs to learn, especially the young guys, they need to learn what it's like to play in pressure basketball games to have something riding on every game. And so just yeah. whether whether that's getting close to the playoffs, and it would be huge to get into the playoffs to learn what that pressure is about. But that's a step mentally that every young team needs to make. And so, uh, you know, Mike, to your point, if they're seven through 10 going into that final couple of weeks, and all of a sudden those games are important just for their, just for their mental growth and for their maturity, that would be a huge step. Yeah. All right. So we're going to. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna... Stop <laughs> stepping on me, Mike. I, I gave you time. I gave you time. Butter the bread, I'm man. Just... Butter the bread. You did that on purpose, didn't you? I purposely waited because I wanted oh, to yell you at you. Suck. <laughs> you suck. All right. So here's uh, what I want to hear. Uh, here's what I want to hear from Tim Elker because we do want to talk to you a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on around the NBA. Chad is dying to talk about Kyrie Irving. I am. Uh, I am. But... <laughs> You, that's the only thing you wrote in our in our notes for this episode. Was I, I did not. I, I I didn't write it in the notes. But did I, Joey I, write that? I'm actually, I'm actually excited. I'm actually excited to write, oh, I did talk write about that. that too, yeah, though, I did. That, that, <laughs> we're so organized, Tim. Here's what I want from Tim Alcorn before we just get into some other things going around the NBA. Get us excited for the Cavs. Get us like give us your Cavaliers radio broadcaster like just quick pitch on how we should get excited about the Cavaliers. Well, I mean, I'm not going to do play-by-play, but yeah, I'm excited, no, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about the Cavaliers. I am. I, I love the young talent. I love Garland, uh, or at least the upside as far as Garland is concerned. I told you guys before, I think Larry Nance. Larry Nance is the guy to keep an eye on this year. I think he's going to have a breakout season. Uh, I think Okoro is really going to get people excited. And I think, you know, they talk about the big man's out as far as the NBA is concerned. I think JB is going to get real creative as far as Andre Drummond is concerned. So this Cavs team, they showed a lot of progress under JB at the tail end of last year. I think uh, they're excited to get back. I'm excited to get back. So, yeah, let's get it going. Pow! Let's get yeah. back at it. Pow! 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 Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, is that all right? I, yeah. Is he saying like pal? It. I like it, Tim. Uh, you know, it's it's. You know, if this was an all young team trying to figure it out, you know, I I would just be kind of like, okay, you know, I would just kind of accept it and just hope they develop. But this team's got an interesting balance of young talent to to, to veteran leadership, and, and you know, you talked about pressure situations, you know, I, I, I and that's going to be where I'm glad that we have guys like. Kevin Love, you know, yes. JaVale McGee and, 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 and Andre Drummond on this team because they're going to be able to kind of guide these guys along. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting mix, but I'm excited about it. And, and I'm not an NBA guy, but I'm excited about it. Well, you know, to use, uh, 
you know, to use an Indians analogy, if you go back to those 90s teams and they had all that young talent, and then mm-hmm. John Hart went out and he got a few veterans, you know, like a Hersizer, like a Dennis Martinez and, you know, and, uh, Eddie Murray, you know, just to show those young guys, here's what it takes. Here's where you get to the next level. Um, now, I'm not saying that this Cavs team is the reincarnation of the 90s Indians. Don't interpret it that way. But they, I heard they're going to sign Dave Winfield. But there's good, there's really exciting, good, young talent to Chad's point. You know, yeah. blended in with some nice veteran guys that have been to that mountaintop and they understand what it takes. So uh, is it going to happen in 2021? No, I'm not saying that. But I, I think the foundation has been laid for this organization. I really do. Well, I think I think it's a great point, Chad. I think and 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 follow it up, Tim. But like wiping everything down to the bones, and and you know there were a lot of people last year calling for them to get rid of Kevin Love and, and really just tear the whole thing down all the way to the studs and and start rebuilding. But when you do that, especially in a market like Cleveland, everything has to go right for you to then have any kind of uh, a semblance of a speedy rebuild. Otherwise. You're drafting guys. One guy doesn't work out. It sets you back a year. And then uh, you you sign a free agent that doesn't work out, and it sets you back. Uh, but what the Cavs did by keeping Kevin Love, by going out and getting Andre Drummond, it, it at least is allowing them the opportunity to be competitive uh, and, 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 and letting these young guys learn from veteran guys how to win so that when Kevin Love eventually does leave or when Andre Drummond does leave or whatever, you bring other players in these younger guys have that knowledge that they learn from those guys. I, I, th- I, I'm glad they've kept these guys a lot, uh, around. I, who cares? And, you know, they're like, well, the money they could save. I'm like, it's not my money. <laughs> right. Well, I keep in mind that in, Kevin Love. You know, in the last three years, you've had five number one draft picks, you know, or first mm-hmm. round, you've yeah. had five first round draft picks. Yeah. So you've got that core, you know, yeah. with the likes of Larry Nance. And then, you know, the guys that you just mentioned, uh, Love and Drummond, uh, you know, a promising guy that you, you would hope, you know, reaches his potential in an Exum and those type of players. So, yeah, a lot of things have to go right, but there's a lot of really nice pieces there to build with. Absolutely. So let's look around the NBA a little bit. Let's look around what's happened. So there's some some moves that have happened, obviously, since the last time we talked. Uh, the big one, uh, the, the marquee trade of the offseason was John Wall uh, leaving Washington uh, along with a first round pick and like these teams are trading picks from like 2047 it's like a first round pick 2082 yes and john wall uh my, for my, russell Westbrook. my great grandson will be the number yeah. one pick. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I keep seeing these like ooh, they got a first round draft pick and then you like click on the link and it's like a 2072 first round draft and you're like what is that uh but john wall goes to houston uh he will team up maybe with uh, James Harden if he shows up to camp. Uh, and Russell Westbrook goes to do his thing in Washington. What did you think when you saw that deal go well, down? Well, I think you had, to, you had to think that the thing in Houston just wasn't working. And so, obviously, they, they decided, you know, we're just going to, to your point, uh, Michael, not really go down to the, to the bare studs, but uh, we're just going to reformulate this whole thing. And, you know, I'm not convinced that James Harden's going to be there you know, <laughs> for long. So, you know, they, they were shopping Russell Westbrook. There, there wasn't much doubt about that. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know much about I don't know much about what Houston's going to try to do now as far as what Wall will be able to do to fit into their system. But you know, they got about two months to find out. Right, right, exactly. Until he's not playing anymore for the rest of the year. Right, and so you know, Russell Westbrook, as far as I'm concerned, his resume speaks for itself. But you know, how do you play with a James Harden? How do you play with a guy that is so ball dominant? Um, yeah, and he didn't always he didn't always play that way. That that's the that's the no. thing. Um, so this this evolution of his game uh, really makes it challenging for guys to play with him. So uh, yeah. if somehow some way he ends up staying in Houston, boy, I'm going to be real curious to see uh, yeah. how he and Wall coexist. And uh, for Westbrook, I think Washington could give him new life. I, I, I think you could see uh, an energized Russell Westbrook with the Wizards. Well, he's going to dominate the ball more. And I, I actually, I love Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Like those two guys, those that, that's how they should go together. Right. Russell Westbrook can't play with James Harden. But Bradley Beal, where Westbrook can just drive the defense and kick, kick it out, it Beal's going to hit that shot 85% of the time wherever it is. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a yeah. good right. deal. That's a lethal backcourt right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Houston's uh, just going to tra- trade for the uh, Kentucky starting five. Have you ever heard <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever heard that? Like, if like if you took players from Kentucky and and just put them on one NBA team, it would just be it it would just be an all all star NBA team. Like you had John Wall at the point, you had Devin Booker at the two, <laughs> you had oh god, who was at the three? I I went over this. Ahmad told me this. Started. Never mind. Let's just move on. I quit. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you, you, it was like. It was Demarcus Demarcus Cousins at the five, Anthony Davis at the four or three, right. and yeah, it, it would just be like a premier <laughs> NBA team if you, if you put those I, together. Maybe like five years ago when John Wall was playing full seasons, and so was Demarcus Cousins, but like right now, I don't know. That wouldn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, <laughs> Staggering number of players from Kentucky in the NBA. It's just off the Isn't charts. It crazy? Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of the moves, a lot of the most notable moves are all Eastern Conference moves. You got uh, Gordon Hayward to Charlotte. Uh, that's a team that looks like they could turn things around pretty quick. You've got, you know, the youngest of the balls. Uh, and now you got Gordon Hayward down there and you've got other good players down there. Charlotte can be a pesky team. Well, one of the things you heard about uh, LaMelo Ball coming out of the draft or going into the draft, uh, the more accurate way to phrase that, going into the draft was his remarkable ball handling and passing ability yeah. that he was really going to need to develop his shot. Uh, but ball handling and passing, he was above, I mean, way above everybody else in the draft. So uh, you're going to have a facilitator now down in Charlotte that can really distribute the basketball. And so I think Gordon Hayward's going to yeah. be a great situation right there. And uh, that's a team. I, I agree with you, Mike, uh, they could make some noise. They could really be uh, they could really be pesky, but the uh, the relationship between uh, Michael Jordan and the Ball family should be oh yes. should be very interesting. Let's go! I want to see the one on one Jordan versus Lavar. What an idiot! That guy is an idiot. His quote: "If he played Jordan one on one, he would beat him." Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> you would. A uh, couple other interesting moves: Al Horford goes I mean, to the. I- 
Stop stepping on Mike. That's the second time tonight you stepped on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I think you're on a well, delay. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Am I? That's all right. Keep How's going. How's it now? How's just it roll. now? Just roll. Yeah, whatever. Just move on. <laughs> uh, Horford goes to the Thunder. I am Thunder. on a delay, aren't I? Yes, you are. Drew Holiday goes to Milwaukee. Uh, that I think is an uh, a little bit of an unsung move because he's really good. He's he kind of lost good. in New Orleans. He you get lost in New Orleans a little yes, bit. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, and you know the, the you wonder if the window's starting to close on Milwaukee. Um, so yeah, I think they had to make a move because what they put together the last two years, uh, boy, the regular season's been phenomenal, and then it just peters out. Uh, during that postseason play. So, you know, you go out and you get a Drew Holiday and think, you know, is that the move that pushes you over the top? Uh, yeah, he very, very unsung player. Drew Holiday is an outstanding player. Uh, he'll be a nice addition to that mix that the Bucks have. You know, the last thing, the last question I have, and then uh, Joe Joe put his, his thing in here, so I want to let Joe talk about that. But – I think it hit me in the in the bubble last year. Is I think I might be ready to call Eric Spolstra the best coach in the NBA right now. Like what he did with that. Like I, I think everybody kind of looked over him when he had the big three down there, and maybe didn't give him enough credit for being able to manage all of that to the successes that they had it. But what he did with that Miami Heat team last year. And what he really has really consistently been able to do down there with once everybody left, once Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron were gone, uh, Eric Spolstra is a crazy good coach that I never saw coming. Yes. And I'll take it one step further. I think, I think it's an entire Miami culture. It starts with Pat Riley at the top. Uh, of course, Spoltra is a true disciple uh, of Pat Riley. They just have a winning culture. And I know that sounds cliche, but uh, they don't accept losing. Uh, They look for that type of personality and that characteristic in every single solitary person that works in that organization. Uh, You never hear about Miami tanking. Uh, You never hear about Miami, you know, just playing out the string. They play to win, and they look for yeah. guys that can win. So I agree with you on Spolstra, uh, especially when he had the big three. Everybody thought he just rolled the ball out there. But uh, that winning culture, that winning mentality, uh, that runs very, very deep in Miami. Uh, and, and Spolstra is a big part of it, uh, yeah. but it's organization-wide. Uh, they just they refuse to look at it. In any other way, they are going to win and they are going to do anything that it takes to win. And they want those people in that organization and they want those type of players out on the floor. And that's why you see the effort. Uh, That's why you see the just the the hard work, the grittiness of every Miami Heat team. They they just get after it. They (laughs) They are obnoxious. They played in the NBA finals. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. and, and there you are raving about Eric Spolstra, but that's, yeah. that's the expectation. You know, that's the expectation. And that is the demand 
that they make. If you're going to play for us and you're going to be a part of this organization, top to bottom, yeah, I'm sure it goes into ticket sales and cleaning the restroom. And I'm sure it does. You are going to do this the right way. And it reflects, now, in, their, now, it reflects in their product. Now, how's the delay? How's the delay now, guys? Is it better? It's, it's gone. It's gone. Okay, it's gone. Um, now, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Tim, you know, I, I know as far as on the floor, that organization – you know, but I, I have heard things about the, 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 you know, the community and the market. Is that community, is that town just as, just as into the heat as, as, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've done a couple of games as, as, you know, as the organization puts out there, because like, I don't know, like I've heard things like, I've heard things like the suites in that arena don't even face the court. Like I've heard they face outside, like in the ocean, like they, 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 they face the beach. Like I've heard just that whole Miami, like market community is just, I've just heard they're not in, as into sports, which is understandably so because there's so much more to do in Miami. But like, what is that, what, what is that atmosphere like when, you know, down in Miami Well, when you're there for a game? I was just going to say, uh, I want to say we were only there once this year. Uh, I think we only did one game in Miami. I'd have to go back and look at the schedule. Um, and that was the night that they retired Dwayne Wade's jersey. So there was, oh, cool. oh, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, the place, the place was rocking and it was a special yeah. night. It was really cool. Uh, if you were ever going to be there for one night of the year, I guess. So that was the night you to be there. Uh, Long time <laughs> Cleveland Cavalier, Dwayne Wade. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, so, you know, I can't, I can't really comment on that, but yeah. um, you know, any time that I've watched a Heat game, uh, especially come postseason time, uh, their fans are there and they're rocking and rolling uh, just okay. as good as or just as well as any other fan base. So, yeah. um, well, that's you good. Know, that. it, but in the end, in the end, whether or not the community or the you know surrounding area or the fan base is there, I don't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter to Pat Riley and, and the organization, but. That's not their ultimate objective. Their ultimate objective sure, is sure. to win championships and to have that, you know, I said it before, winning culture. And they demand it and they expect it. Sure, sure. Yeah. I was just curious to what you know, whether that, you know, whether you know that community appreciate the appreciated the effort that goes, you know, that 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 they put into that organization. So yeah, that was just my my only thought, I guess. It's a good thought. All right, Joe. My up. All right, Joe. My note. Yeah, you're, you're oh my gosh! Your note awaits. I forgot I wrote. Uh, the the note was. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I must have been a little. Joe Joe's like the George Harrison of this group. He gets one. He gets one cut <laughs> yeah, on the right? album. Joe, you get one. I might have been a little drunk with this, but I said, "Is Kyrie too stupid?" I said, "Is Kyrie too stupid to understand what he's saying, or does he know exactly what he's saying?" So the the story that came out this week. Um, where well, I guess it originally came out during the finals of this year. He said it was before game two of the finals, and he said, "He said Kevin Durant's the first teammate I can actually trust to take the last shot." And then it got brought up to LeBron or something this week. He's like, "Yeah, that like kind of hurt a little bit." And I, with Kyrie, I feel like, and I might have been naive like when he was here. Maybe I just didn't notice this as much. But I feel like every year there's like one story that comes out where it's just like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I hate, I hate that. I hate that guy. I hate him so much. It's just kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, yeah. you okay, know I miss, I miss a true con. I, I miss. 
I miss him on the floor. I miss I miss him on the floor for the Cavs. I do, but off the floor, uh, I, I'm just I'm not even going to go into it. But yeah, go ahead, Tim. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I'll just hey, my comment will be brief. That comment <laughs> and a lot of other comments from Kyrie Irving can stand on their own. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it, man. I don't. I don't. I, the thing that I don't get is just this. He just seems to yeah. hate his time here. Like he just seen he the comments he's made about the city. Well, whatever. Maybe you don't like Cleveland. Not everybody likes Cleveland. It isn't tropical paradise city. So maybe it's not your place. But they also made you the number one pick in the draft, and they made you a superstar in the NBA, and they made you a face of their franchise. Uh, and the comments about LeBron. We've talked about James Harden on this podcast. That dude's a hard guy to play with. Maybe not attitude-wise. James Harden might be the most fun guy on the planet. He kind of looks like he's a good time. Uh, but playing out on the court, that dude is difficult to play with. He wants the ball in his hands. And if it's not in his hands, he's pissed at it why it's not in his hands. Uh, whereas you had LeBron. He wants the ball in his hands to facilitate the ball. Like James Harden wants the ball in his hands to score the ball and shoot the ball. He wants it in his hands to facilitate it. And, and you won a championship in Cleveland. And I think Kyrie always hated the fact that LeBron was the LeBron of the team and everybody else was looked at as like the, the assistance uh, to the LeBron-led team. But that's LeBron. You, you played with a generational guy. Uh, the thing that, that – it's just the thing that pisses me. He always has something to say about his time in Cleveland. There's always these backhanded shots. And when he went to Boston, he's like, well, I'm just glad I'm in a city where, like, they know how to win or they appreciate their teams yeah. or something like <laughs> Shut up. Like, shut, shut up. Yeah, listen, there, as I said before, there's so many Kyrie stories and comments, and you know what? He's a unique guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. The, uh, That's putting it mildly, yeah. Jim. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> I, you know, his time in Boston, there were, there's a, a Boston media guy that I've gotten to know pretty well over the years. It started during my time at, at WEOL and then we, you know, got reacquainted this year with the Cavs and, but Kyrie's first couple of years, uh, you know, with the Celtics, he would come up to me and go, he's a different (laughs) dude. (laughs) I'd be like, yeah, it's your problem. (laughs) (laughs) He is, you know, and, and boy, if you try to figure out and make heads or tails of everything he's saying, uh, you'll spin yourself in circles because it just yeah. like wow, where is this coming from? <laughs> All right, Tim Alcorn, I think we're going to let you go. I, I need one more thing from you. I, again, I'm just trying to get excited, uh, and and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, we're going to talk about one more thing before we get to this. Hold on, I forgot about this uh, because right now uh, we're going to get off of basketball for a second because we're going to as a podcast we're going to transition over into a little football. We're going to transition over into our Cleveland Browns. Right now, as things stand, Tim Alcorn, our nine and three Cleveland Browns are on a crash course with, with your who? Buffalo Bills. With, with your Buffalo Bills, if the season ended today, the Bills and the Browns would just clash in the first round of the playoffs. What is is well, this the most twenty twenty thing that's ever happened? Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you know. Yeah, that would just be unbelievable. I, I have to hold my head on that one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving that the Browns are having success. I'm loving it. Who isn't? I mean, what this fan base has been through is just absolutely 
horrific. And so, yeah, I'm just as pumped up as anybody that the Browns are doing well. I am, but uh, you know, every, everybody knows I'm a Bills fan, uh, was born in upstate New York before I moved to New England, but never lost my Bills fandom. So uh, Josh Allen, I'll tell you what, man, Brandon Bean took him with the number seven pick uh, the same year that Baker went number one overall. And a lot of folks were questioning it. And he said, I think he'll be the best of the whole bunch. Now, I know Lamar Jackson's already got an MVP, but my goodness, Josh Allen's the real deal. He, hey, his hey. strides have mm-hmm. been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, hey, Tim, you know, that's okay because this week, all us Browns fans are Bills fans, baby. <laughs> I know. Woo-hoo! <laughs> all us Browns fans Bills are Bills Mafia fans. Bills Mafia in Cleveland. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting. It, it really is. And um, I would love to see that. I I was at the uh, the Browns-Bills playoff game uh, in Cleveland, the, the Don Beebe Pogo stick game, Clay yep. Matthews interception game happened right in front of me. I was sitting down in that end zone, uh, just Kelly and Kosar back and forth up and down the field. It was just one of the greatest games I've ever been to. And uh, one of my favorite pictures of all time, uh, my wasn't quite wife then, but now my wife, Diane, and I went to the game. She's decked out in total Browns gear. I'm decked out in total Bills gear. <laughs> yes. And, uh, we've got a picture of that. It was, it was a great time. I'd love to see Browns and Bills in postseason football. That'd be a blast. There'd be yes, a lot you know, of back you know, and forth between me and a lot of people. <laughs> I know that. You know, we, you know, we talked to Felix Wright, uh, uh, Tim, about yeah. that, and he said he hasn't talked to Don Beebe <laughs> since that hit. So yeah. they, they have not made amends at all. Oh, man. He was a human pogo stick. He just, oh, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget yeah. that. And I'll never forget, yeah, he, and I'll never forget Ronnie Harmon right in front of me. Ah, come on, Ronnie Harmon. Right. <laughs> oh, Still, all right, you, you well, know, Tim's going to lose sleep over funny. that tonight. You know, it's funny, Felix, when we were talking to Felix, too, he, he, he was something he said he always laughs at is that pogo stick is like Don Beebe's football card. It's like entrenched forever is the Don Beebe football card is the pogo stick play. So. Love it. That <laughs> oh, was funny. Oh. All right, well, maybe we'll be able to talk a little Browns Bills in the playoffs. In the meantime, if your Bills could pull off a win this week, it would be fantastic. Uh, We will all be rooting for them, Uh, but we're going to let you go. Tim Alcorn, it was awesome talking Cavaliers, talking NBA. Uh, You'll be able to hear Tim Alcorn behind the microphone on the Joe Tate perch December 23rd as the Cleveland Cavaliers open up the season finally against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, And it's uh, you blink and this offseason went by and the Cavaliers season is getting ready. So Tim Alcorn, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, have fun. I hope you hope you're able to enjoy yourself as much as ever, even in uh, very empty arenas. Yeah, absolutely. Let's play some Cavaliers basketball. And once again, that was the radio play-by-play man of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tim Alcorn. You can follow him on Twitter at Cavs Alcorn. At Cavs Alcorn. You want to do that? I'm sure he'll have some great things on his social media showing you what it's like to call games from a very empty uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse even for away games. I don't even know. Does he, is he going to sit in the same perch? We should have asked him that. Uh, but a great chat with Tim Alcorn got me excited for the Cavs. We are like 10 days ish 
away. We're definitely less than two weeks away from the Cavaliers getting their season going. Uh, and it should be fun. Just a, another sport to another sport to get excited for. I don't know about you guys. That's kind of what we talked about though. Uh, with the short off season, with the bubble just ending not too long ago uh, and with the Browns doing what they've done, it's just been hard to think like, Oh, basketball's coming back. Like, have you guys even thought about it at all? Well, it's, it's usually not watchable football at this point of year for Cleveland fans. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of, that's, I think why we're so all caught off guard. Uh, usually we're like three wins in and 12 games played by now. So, <laughs> and we're a disaster. Uh, so again, thank you so much to Tim Alcom for joining us again. Our very first ever guest as Chad pointed out on our podcast. He comes around to preview the Cavaliers and their season. I'm sure we will touch base with him several times, uh, throughout the course of the Cavaliers season. So now that we're done with the Cavs, uh, obviously we got to talk a little bit about our Cleveland Browns, our nine and three Cleveland Browns, who finally, after what seemed like a season of beating the teams that you should beat, although I do think they should get more credit for some of the games that they won, especially the Cowboys game. Dak Prescott wasn't hurt yet. Like that was that was the good Cowboys offense. That was the team they were expecting to carry them. Uh, but it has seemed to be a season of Browns beating a lot of teams that maybe aren't going to be in contention for playoff spots or, or whatnot, but losing to teams like uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore in embarrassing fashion. They go up against a team in Tennessee that is right there with those guys like Pittsburgh and Baltimore uh, expected to be major contenders like they were last year. And the Browns absolutely laid the wood in the first half of that game, scoring 38 points in the first half uh, and just really dominated that game. Guys, that was, that was about as much fun as I've had watching a Browns game that I can remember. You know, it's, it's kind of like the Browns flipped the script from last year, right? So the Browns yes. came into our first game uh, against the Titans at home last year. And we had the big head. We're going to the Super Bowl, Like we're going to be the best team to come right out of the gates. And the Titans came in humbled, quiet, smoked us. And this year is kind of the opposite. The Titans are the ones with the big heads this year. Coming off the uh, AFC Championship game, um, having a really good season themselves. And I think they just – they were expecting us to run, and we passed like our life depended on it. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Th- go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it, it was it was 17 to nothing before you blinked, right? The, mm-hmm. the Browns go down. They should have scored a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who made up for it later, but drops an an easy touchdown pass. Uh, They settle Mm -hmm. for a field goal. Then they stop. Defense stops Derrick Henry on fourth and one, which uh, uh, a lot of people talk about Derrick Henry as how good he is, which he is. He's tremendous. But Derrick Henry's not a very good short yardage back, which is hilarious because he's like the biggest back out there. But he does not convert as as much as you would think he would in those short yardage situations. Uh, they stop him on fourth down. The Browns go down and score. And then they force Derrick Henry to fumble for the first time in forever, recover it, go back down and score. And before you know it, it's 17-0. It was amazing. Yeah, granted, I haven't watched many Titans games. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, as far as the Browns' defense goes, you know, it seemed when 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 Henry got contact – 
You know, when, when Henry made contact with someone, a Browns defender, he went down easily. Like, it's almost like he, for such a big body, it, it, it didn't seem like that when he, he doesn't like to absorb contact. I mean, you saw Mac Wilson, for, for the love of God, with how awful he has been this year, make a, uh, get a TFL on him. Uh, yeah, that was a great play. Yeah, a tackle for loss on him. You know, again, stopping Derrick Henry on yeah. fourth and one. You know, Derrick Henry, his his head was taken out of this game uh, in the first quarter just because the Browns' defense was playing that well. And, and, and with the Browns' yeah. offense building so big of a lead, you made Derrick Henry, the kickstarter of that Titans' offense, a non-factor that entire game. You know, you know generally when you make Ryan Tannehill – try to beat you for that entire game, you, you know, you're going to be successful against the Titans. And fortunately for the Browns, they built a 38 to seven lead. <laughs> and that was enough. You know, you know, I know it ended up as closer than what people think, but as far as I'm concerned, that second half was garbage time. It was. <laughs> like, the whole like, second like, half was like, garbage time. Yeah. Like, 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 like the, like, like the, I don't know. I, I never thought that game was in doubt. And that's something you never say with there's, the Browns. There's the Browns, but I just never thought they were going to lose. There's two things I would have liked to have not seen. Uh, the penalties was one. Uh, yeah. 11 penalties. That's a lot of penalties. Two, yeah. um, uh, nitpicky, because I do I'm, – I'm with you. The second half was garbage time. I'm not going to hold much of the second half against them. That third quarter, though, letting the Titans score on, like, two separate drives of almost 80 yards on, like, three plays and four plays, that was too much. That was, like, yeah. like make them drive. like. Yeah put them into those garbage time situations where you're making Derrick Henry pick up six yards a pop. And it, if they right. drive down the field and score fine, but they take six minutes off the clock. Right. You yeah. Can't, mm-hmm. You can't be letting them get the ball at their own 20 yard line and go down the field in three plays in a minute. Like, yeah. That, yeah. If you whoa. wanted to be nitpicky, if you wanted to be nitpicky, that's what you could do. Yeah. I mean, that that's the kind of things you could point to because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, obviously you don't want to, give up the big plays and have them score instantly. But at the same time, you know, keeping everybody in front of you meant the Titans were getting, you know, 15, 20 yards, you know, they were getting yards and chunks and scoring quickly. So, I mean, if you want to be nitpicky, sure. But, uh, you know, they, fortunately for the Browns, they built a, a big enough lead to where, you know, that, that, that was a non-factor, but yeah, if you want to be nitpicky. That's, uh, that's something you could point to. Yeah. Listen, uh, the best part about the Browns game it was to this point. It was the biggest game of the season on the schedule yeah. by far. Yeah. It was. I'm not going to say it was a must-win game, uh, but it was a big game. You were trying to prove to uh, the whole league against a team that's expected to be a competitor that you belong in these conversations. Yeah. Jesus Christ, did you do that with an exclamation yeah. point? That I yeah. don't care what the final, like you said, Chad, the final score of that game got closer than the game ever was. Uh, yeah. And, and, and you really made a statement as the Browns and, and that was the victory. Again, I put the Cowboys victory in there too, because you didn't play the pre injury to Dak Prescott Cowboys. You played the Dak Prescott good version of the Cowboys this year. And you did that to them. So that to me was on the same yeah. level of that game. You go on the road and do it. Uh, it was just, it was a thing of beauty, a thing of absolute yeah. beauty for this team. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a completely different Browns team from that, the, the beginning of that year, which is why I'm so intrigued for this coming Monday because it's a completely different Ravens team, too. 
So, you know, it, it's, it's you, you know, we, we talked about it on the pod last week. This is a different, uh, you have a chance to make believers out of even more people this coming week. I mean, I know we're not onto the Ravens yet, but yeah, it's, it's, um, well, you, you, you proved, you proved to everybody that uh, you, you belong this week. I mean, you had people like Ryan Clark, you had people like Rex Ryan saying, if, if the Browns get this Baker for the rest of the year and into the playoffs, Rex Ryan said they could win it all. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I mean, you could. <laughs> Listen, that's – but, again, that was the Baker. This – what you saw Sunday was the comfortable Baker. That's the yeah. type of game he plays. He yeah. is so good in that play action, in that intermediate passing. Uh, and it, it's a lot of stuff where – he has the time because of the run game and the threat of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He's got the time back there to think about, to go through his progressions and make – like he was so good. He was so good. Baker Mayfield, if that game wasn't 38-7 to at the half, Baker Mayfield would have thrown for six or seven touchdowns in that game. Like he was on point. That throw over the shoulder to Rashard Higgins for that touchdown – in the first half was incredible. Uh, a perfect it, it, throw. It, it, oh God, this, it, 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 again, this is, this is the number one pick in the draft game that you were waiting for. Like, I don't, I, you know, I thought about it. Like, you know, when I posted, I said, I don't know if this is a coming out party for Baker Mayfield. I, I honestly think it is because this is the game that people were expecting out of the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. He, he was, he was in command the entire game. He was on point. Kevin Stefanski was scheming guys open, oh, you know, yes. uh, Baker, Baker Mayfield was, uh, I mean, he was accurate. Uh, he was, he was, he was comfortable. The leadership that he showed the poise, some of the breakdowns, some of the things that Baker does, and and there, go look for Baker breakdown, video breakdown. There's a lot of Twitter uh, profiles that do like video breakdowns. Some right. of the things that Baker is comfortable doing in the pocket is crazy. Some of the throws yeah. that he made, uh, there was one where he pump faked, and it just created like a slight little window for I want to say it was either Landry or Higgins over the middle. And the Browns needed like 12 yards and he pump fake short the whole defense bit. And he just fitted into this little window that he opened with that pump fake. Like some of those things that you don't, when you're watching the game, when you're a fan watching the game, you just watch, is he making the throws that he's trying to make? But when you're controlling the defense with an action behind the line of scrimmage, like a pump fake like that, when you control the linebackers, You pump fake here, the linebackers go exactly where you thought they were going to go, and then you throw a guy open. That is next level. That's first round draft picks type stuff, like you were saying, Chad. Right. Yeah. And, and get and, and, and give credit to to, to Stefanski. I, I mean, this is what this is. It's what we've been waiting to see. I wish I wish we would play Stefanski's victory speeches because it just it almost makes me tear up <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I watch his victory speeches because I'm like, God, this is. This is the leadership we've been waiting for for 20 years. Yeah. There's just, there's God guys. There's. Uh, That's great. I mean, I know, I mean, I know he went, I, I know he went conservative in the second half, but you could, I don't know. He's a first year head coach, but the guys are just, the guys are quiet in the locker room. The guys are listening to him. The guys are bought in. The guys are just, 
Oh man! Oh god! All right, you know I'm gonna I'm done because it's gonna settle, move a little. Settle, Chad. It's, settle. It's, it's gonna it's gonna move a little if I keep talking. <laughs> well, no, listen. So let's move on. Let's move on. This upcoming week, it's the next it's the next biggest game, and we've got like three of them coming up. It's the next biggest game that I can even remember for the Browns, and it's on Monday Night Football. It is Monday yeah. Night Football. Browns-Ravens, the Ravens have got some of their team back. Lamar Jackson's back. Yeah. Some of those guys that were out when the Ravens were playing real bad, they are back. This is going to be a good Ravens team the Browns go up against. Uh, the Browns are getting healthier and healthier all the time. Uh, it sounds to me like Wyatt Teller's got a really good chance to come off the COVID list and play in that game. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. yeah. He, only he, doesn't have, he doesn't have COVID. He yeah. was just in close contact with someone. Yes. So as long as he tests negative, Wyatt Teller will play in that game. Uh, but you got Monday Night Football in Cleveland, Browns-Ravens. Browns are 9-3, and three, Ravens are 7-5. and five. Not only do the Browns basically stamp their way into the postseason with a win to go 10-3, and three, mm-hmm. could you even fucking believe that? Woo! But uh, – but you deal real damage. You you pretty much end the Ravens, uh, or you come close to it uh, by sending them. They're seven and five right now, uh, yeah. so you deal real damage to the Ravens' hopes if you can get a win versus the Ravens on Monday Night Football. I expect, boys, a hundred percent honesty. I expect this game to look so much different than yeah. that one game against Baltimore. Yeah, yeah as you should. You know, again, this is another chance to make believers out of people who, you know, maybe be on the fence after this past week against the Titans. Uh, you, you know, it, it is the the Browns and Ravens are, you know, the the, the, the again, I mentioned it earlier. They're gonna, they're two, they they are the Browns are a completely different team from when they started in Week One. You know, you know Baker is getting more comfortable in this system. Uh, you, you know, you have Nick Chubb back healthy. You're going to have that one-two punch. Uh, you know, I know the Ravens just got Lamar Jackson back, but, you know, they struggled offensively against a porous Cowboys defense this week, this past week. So, or, well, yesterday, I guess. Uh, yeah. So it, it's 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 going to be another week of him just getting his legs back. So I, I don't know, boys. It's a, it's a good chance. Joey, what do you think? Um, it, 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 it's an interesting matchup. I agree. I, I think that, we're not going to look anything like we looked in that first game against the Ravens. Uh, but my question mark doesn't lie with the Browns. It's with the Ravens. Like, you know, how, how is it that the reigning MVP throws for a hundred and what, two yards a game last week or yesterday, wherever they played. Uh, and if Baker throws under 150, all hell breaks loose on him. And right. Lamar Jackson's supposed to be this top five quarterback, which he's not. Uh, and I guess he had a lot of rushing yards, maybe, but it's his, it's against his Cowboys defense that he should be tearing up. Listen, he's dangerous, and right? He's, he's dangerous, he's dangerous, yes. but he's yes. not. He's he, we would lose the game Monday because of their defense before we lost it because of Mar Jackson. Well, listen, uh, Ravens are healthy though, it, it's been a while, but Ravens are getting healthier. Calais Campbell is back, that's huge. That's that's the yeah. thing people are talking about. He is he's like the center point of that defense, and he's back. Uh, yeah. Mark Ingram is back. Uh, yeah. uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson being back. This is going to be a tough one for this Browns, Browns defense. Uh, and, but they got to play well. They this Browns defense has 
come around. They have played better uh, recently. Uh, they played very well the first part of the game against Tennessee. They need that kind of effort for four quarters. But again, this is a Browns team that has warranted confidence now after winning nine of their first 12 games of the season. And I, I think, again, uh, uh, same concept for me as I talked about last week against Tennessee. Sometimes your best defense against a crazy good offensive player is to have your offense play well. And that's what they did against Tennessee, especially in the first half. You never let Derrick Henry get involved in that game because your offense dominated to the point where Derrick Henry was just never on the field. Yeah. That's what you do against a team like Baltimore, but their defense is better. So you yeah. got to be able to do that against a good defense to keep Lamar Jackson, keep him on the field as limited amount of time as possible. If the Browns can do that, or, if the Browns can play well offensively and limit how much Lamar Jackson's on the field, that's the key to success against the Ravens. You know, Derrick Henry was somebody that could have gotten going if there were situations that the running made sense. But that's what you got to do with the Ravens. You have to create scenarios where they can't run the ball because that's going to take off too much yeah. time with the clock. And that's, again, tough to do against their defense, but worked pretty well last week, didn't it? Sure. Did. Yeah, Brown, Browns always seem to play the Rappers better at home, too. So, I, I, I you know, let's not forget that. I mean, I you know – <laughs> they do. They do. They 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 always see, they always seem to play the Ravens a lot closer at home. Yeah. You, you, you know, winning games. You know, I don't know. 2018. They they beat the Ravens 12 to nine and lost 28 to seven at, at you know at Baltimore. Yeah. You know, uh, 2017. They lost 25 to 20 at home. And they and, and and they lost like thirty one to fifteen at the rate something like that. So it, it, it's I, I think being in First Energy Stadium is definitely going to help the Browns. Uh, so uh, you know I don't know, boys, but I definitely agree with you. I think if you if you can limit the times Lamar Jackson is on the field, and the Browns have the running game to be able to do that, yep. they got a chance for success. All right, Chad. So start with you. Uh, do the Browns go to 10 and three on the season after Monday night? Oh man. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm going to head down to the Renaissance hotel and maybe Nancy Kerrigan, Calais Campbell. Oh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Aim for the knees. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, honestly guys, I think so. I, I I think so. This Ravens offense, even with Lamar Jackson back, you know, I don't know. It, it's been struggling as of late. They're going to have to shake the rust off of guys getting back now, you know, being healthy after them being out a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be close. It's going to be close just because this Browns defense is not a shutdown defense. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to say Browns 28 Ravens 24, 10-3, baby. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Joey? Yeah, I was pretty similar with that. I think Browns 24, Ravens 17. Oh, man. I, I'm going to go with you. I, I, I'm I'm 50-50 on this. Uh, again, I, I think we're – I love that we're riding high on the Browns, but the Ravens uh, – when the Ravens are healthy with guys like Calais Campbell and Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson, uh, they're a really good football team. Uh, so – uh, I think the Browns win this game if maybe it's not quite as high scoring, uh, if they can muddy this thing up for Lamar Jackson. So I'll go 21-17. Uh, 
and I'll say, I, I do think the Browns have a good chance at this. I think it's going to look way different, and I think they've got that motivation. I think it's it's time for uh, comeback from embarrassment season for the Browns, and uh, and they're going to keep riding the riding the wave. So uh, it could be incredible. It could be an awesome Monday night. Um, really quickly, another Browns talk. Uh, we just got word today the Browns uh, game in two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks, whatever, uh, against the Giants has been flexed to Sunday night football. Uh, so the Browns will be playing the New York Giants in New York Sunday night football. That game for the whole first part of this season, you looked at that two game stretch against the Jets and Giants and you went, sweet. That's an awesome way. That's an awesome two games to have at the end of the year. It ain't quite like that anymore. The Giants are the best team of that division. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're playing well. <laughs> how how cool? Well, that defense is playing well. The offense is eh, but that defense is playing well. Uh, but you know, before we even get into that, guys, how cool is that that the Browns are getting flexed? <laughs> yeah, normally this, we get flexed out of shit. This, this late Bye. in the season, this late in the season, we're getting flexed to stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know what to do, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm not used to success. It's okay? awesome. It's I, awesome. I'm not used to I'm not used to success, but that is uh, amazing. Uh, you, you know, the, again, the Giants defense has play, been playing well as of late. So, yeah, it, it's I don't know. It's hey, it, that's awesome. It's let's awesome. ride this hope train. I'm riding the hope train, man. We are okay. we're at a point nine and three on the season. You are two games up on Baltimore uh, in the division. Uh, Pittsburgh just lost to Washington. I'm on the hope train. Pittsburgh's got Buffalo coming up this week. Tough game, tough uh-huh. game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-huh. Imagine what things look like like if the Browns win against the Ravens and Pittsburgh loses to Buffalo. Right. All and of a sudden, you're we, one game back. Yeah, we can't. And that's the thing. It's like I know we're big Bills fans this week, but we can't worry about that game because we got to take care of business against the Ravens this week. Well, I'm a fan. I don't have to take care of business against anybody. I'm just watching the game. So yes, I'm going to do, do all okay. the above. Listen, no, no. Yes, you do. Okay. <laughs> all right. You worry about it. the Ravens. Okay. I love it. All right. So it uh, should be a fun uh, weekend. I, I hate Sundays when the Browns aren't playing, though. I hate having to wait until Monday night. Like, I'm not a Monday night football fan for my team. Uh, it just takes too long. But you know what? I'm going to enjoy it Monday night. Uh, it'll delay our little video thing that we do after the game. But hopefully, at the end of it, we're talking about a 10-3 and Cleveland Browns football team. And then things really start to get weird. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, before you guys have any chance to talk about anything else you want to talk about, um, the Indians are – Starting, it's, it's starting, it's starting, Ugh. it's starting. Ugh. So Carlos Santana, who uh, I'm not trying to sound stupid here. I don't think anybody really thought Carlos Santana was coming back, but Carlos Santana signs with the Kansas City Royals, which is kind of a weird signing because normally yeah. a guy in Carlos Santana's position tries to sign with like a contender and the Royals aren't that at all. But he, he also hits like 500 at Kauffman Stadium, so maybe that was it. Uh, or maybe they just offered him the most money. But... Getting, I don't think he was getting the offers that he wanted. Yeah. He had a real bad couple seasons. Carlos is a royal. Well, he, he had the most weirdly productive bad season I've ever seen last year. Oh, that, I know. But, yeah, because his on-base percentage is like 900 or something. But Carlos like is that. always – that dude's always up for a big hit when you need it. Like, yeah, 
his only hits are big hits. It's great. <laughs> I don't you know. know. It's sad? just you, it's starting you know to happen. You know what's sad is just even the contract that he got. It was like why why. I mean, I, I, I don't know I, whether you're a whether you want to call those Santana back or not. But you look at it, two years, seventeen million. Like you mean to tell me that you couldn't offer that? <laughs> like, Again, like I, I don't know. And, and now we're and now we're aggressively listening to Lindor trade offers. Which okay, that doesn't even fucking make sense. What does aggressively listening mean? <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm somebody, I don't know. somebody, listen, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's the thing the thing that hurts is again you're talking about a a deal like you're talking about a Lindor thing that would cost 30 mil a year right that's that's what it would take to sign Lindor uh the thing that's sad to me is they're not going to do that they're going to trade Lindor but Uh now over the course of the past couple seasons with the Kluber deal with Santana leaving with other players coming off the books like the Indians the Indians are still going to build, be built to be competitive going into the year, but their payroll is going to be like fifty million. If the if if they trade like Lindor, if they trade Lindor, their payroll is going to be forty five. Forty five million dollars. <laughs> like, what are we doing? What 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 what's the point of any of this? Nothing. There's no point. Like, and and, and you know what the so, funny thing no is? Point. If you don't trade Lindor, your salary is going to be like seventy million. Right, right. If you were to sign Lindor, your salary is going to be like $70 million. Right, yeah. So yeah. you still and are going to have one of the lowest salaries in baseball, even if you were paying Lindor. And, and, and that's just, I don't know, it's just, it's so hard to get excited about this team. I, like, I know they're going to be competitive, but it's just, I don't know. I, the, I, I don't know, Mike. I, I don't know, guys. I, I just, I'm, I like, I want to, I, I want to go off on them, but at the same time, I'm an Indians fan and I don't. So I, I, I don't know. It, every time I, every time I go, I will go off on them. I, I will do that. The whole point of being a major league baseball franchise is to try to win fucking world series championships. That's the yeah. point. So every time yeah. somebody comes to me and they go, well, would you rather have them be competitive every year? Or would you rather have them like spend this money, but then have to like tear it down? I'd rather have them spend the money and tear it down. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have, nope. I'd rather have five really bad seasons followed by five really good seasons, followed by five really bad seasons, followed by five really good seasons. Yeah. Then, then, Oh, but guys, we, we did win the division. I don't give a shit. Yeah. That doesn't nope. do anything for us. No. Go oh, no. great. We won the division or, Oh great. We were a wild card team. Great. Oh, we should be happy about that. We were competitive. No, you weren't competitive. You you made a wild card and then you sucked. You, you know you know when you know when the division would be fine, like winning the division would be fine, is if you didn't know, is if you didn't know that it was inevitable that like Lindor was going to get traded. Like if you thought if you knew like the Indians had the potential to sign Lindor and then they did make the playoffs or did win the division, then you're like, okay, we can re-sign him. We can be you know maybe we can take that next step. To like sign this guy, take that next step to to win a championship. But no, you know every superstar that this team develops is going to be gone eventually one day. So it's just it, it, like there, there's just no chance for Joe, this team to stay competitive. Joe, you look like you disagree, and I, I just I guess I don't get it. Oh, the competitive thing. Yeah, 
Um, because it's the exact point that you kind of made to Tim about um, rebuilds and how it's good that we keep the veterans, how we uh, have something to kind of pass on to the younger guys. Because if you just strip it down to the bare bones, if something in that plan goes wrong, you're set back another year. What they're doing is they're just they're clearing out veterans for new people in our farm system that will be really good, probably not this year. But uh, you know, I'd rather do that and have a chance than them sign somebody for fifty million dollars for two years and still. So not you win. wouldn't you wouldn't want them to sign Francisco Lindor. I don't. I just don't think that we need to be like pulling in a bunch of free agents like that. Not that he's free agent, but yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. Like that's that's not. I'm not saying they're going to go out and sign a bunch of free agents. No, I'm talking about Francisco Lindor. And I'm going back to the point Chad made. If you trade Francisco Lindor, let's say you even, let's say your salary after you trade Lindor is fifty two or fifty two million. Let's say you pull in some players that make some salary. You still have literally a disgustingly low pay- payroll. That is disgustingly low. Yeah. That's that's not I'm, like that's not like I mean, mid, that's, oh mid market just trying to make it. That's just that's a, that's embarrassingly low. I and, mean, that's lower than the Rays, and the Rays were lower than you for the last few years. Right. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And and again, the the hardest pill to swallow is oh we're going to bring up these superstars but uh when we can't afford to sign them we're going to get rid of them you're going to have to deal with it and then we're going to give you that uh that we're going to give you the Miguel Cabrera excuse oh well do you want the the Indians to turn out like the Tigers with Miguel Cabrera yeah yeah yes yeah if it means keeping Francisco Lindor yes and, and I am happy in year 8 of that deal in year 8 of that deal Eight years from now, eight years from now, year eight of that deal, sure, I'm happy to complain that the Indians paid Francisco Lindor too much for 10 years. In eight years, after Francisco Lindor plays out his prime here, I'm happy to complain that they gave him that deal. Right. But don't use that bullshit against me. And that's exactly my problem with with this team and why it's so hard to get excited. If you if you if you knew that they were going to be able to take steps to improve this team on top of the talent that they're supposed to keep here, then sure, I would take a division or a wild card playoff team. But you just you know you only have a finite amount of time with 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 the guys that are good on this team like Nolan Jones Nolan Jones is probably going to be a pretty good player for this Indians team, but it's just he's on borrowed time because when because when is he going to get when is he going to get out of here? Right. When is he going to get out of here? Because he's, just, he's going to he's going to the, because they're not going to spend the goddamn money. It's not the Santana thing that bothers me. I'm not really bothered. Santana's gone. They've got guys that are going to be able to take the place and do as well as Carlos Santana did. I love Carlos Santana, great Indians player. Not really bothered he's gone. The thing that bothers me again is you lose his payroll now. You're not really going to replace that. You're not going to really do anything to fill in what he was making as a member of the Indians. And then you're still going to sell us on the fact that even though you saved millions, like $17 million a year you saved on the Corey Kluber trade, and now you're saving millions of dollars on Carlos Santana, you're still going to tell us, well, we just we can't keep 
Francisco Lindor. Enjoy him while you can. Enjoy him while you can. Well, I'm just excited. I'm aggressively listening to you guys. Uh, I'm aggressively uh, listening (laughs) to what's going on with the Indians. And they're aggressively Uh, trying to get the team worse. I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening. (laughs) I'm listening to you so hard right now. Uh, All right, boys. I think that's going to do it uh, for us. We got some good Cavs talk in. We got Browns versus Ravens coming up on Monday night. uh, And uh, we'll see what the Indians do. Uh, Boys, you guys got anything else before we head out of here? No. 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 All right. That's weird. You guys weirded me out there. No. All right, then. (laughs) Then we're taking off for Joey Whalen at Garage Beers Joe online for Chad Meyer at Garage Beers Chad. And for our special guest, Tim Alcorn, radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, go follow him at Cavs Alcorn on Twitter. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. You can find the show at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram, and at The Garage Beers Podcast on Facebook. Go follow us. Share us with your friends. Give us a like. Give us a rating. We appreciate all of that. Uh, But for all of us, uh, for our Garage Beers of the Week, we want to say thank you to all of you for listening. Go Browns. Go Cavs. Go Tribe even. And we'll see you again next week.